0: Hi everyone and welcome to The Capture Life and in this episode we're going to be reviewing DC Comics Batman Superman World's Finest by Mark Waid and Dan Mora. We talk about how Batman Superman is a little bit different in this story than how we usually read them in DC comic story and I give everybody an update about my progress in X-Men Red or the lack thereof. Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caps Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsinlife.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the show. Today, we're going to review DC Comics' Batman Superman World's Finest Volume 1, which consists of issues 1 through 5, by author Mark Waid, artist Dan Mora, colorist Tamra Bonvillain, and letterer Aditya B. which I hope I pronounced that correctly. I apologize if I didn't. Uh, if you're not familiar with this series, here's the official synopsis from DC Comics. The Dark Knight, the Man of Steel, they are the two finest superheroes that the world has ever known, and they're together again in an epic new series from the legendary talents of Mark Waid and Dan Mora. In the not-too-distant past, Superman's powers are supercharged from a devastating chemical attack by the villain Metallo, and the only ally that the ultra-powerful Man of Tomorrow can turn to in his turbulent hour is Gotham's own dark vengeance, the Batman. A nearly fatal burst of power drives Bruce Wayne to his own extreme med- to help his friend, enlisting none other than the Doom Patrol for his aid. It's the world's greatest superheroes from the world's greatest talent in an epic collection experience that kicks off the next big events in the DCU. Get ready, it's time to soar. So that is the official synopsis, and as you may know, I select the comics we're about to review by taking the recommendation from our guest host today, so please welcome to the show fellow comic watcher Kevin Rossi. Kevin is a Rhode Island native with a deep appreciation of language, writing, and design. As an English professor, he incorporated his love of pop culture and comic books as much as possible into his lectures and class discussions. He has been lucky enough to be part of Comic Watch since 2019 and recently went back to school to study graphic design. He currently lives in Providence, Rhode Island with his spouse and their two cats. You can find him on social media at Bronco Nova on Twitter and at Kevi Rossi on Instagram. Kevin, welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing tonight,
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me, man. Really this is excited.
0: yeah, same here. And and I remember when I started doing this, you were one of the first people I thought about having on the show because I know you and I started at Comic Watch around the same time and i know you've been like a great supporter of the show ever since we started and i just remember thinking that i need to have him on the show because one you've been a great supporter but two i always love your takes on comics and you just have some like great stuff that you create as well too so like f- for example when we did the episode about um i think it was like we did an episode about batman and kevin at the time uh, was you know the co-host on the show he did a mad libs and we did something to where <laughs> Um, the story ends up unfolding where, like, the villains of Gotham that Batman was fighting was, like, a oversized or overgrown Kevin (laughs) McAllister. Yeah. Um, And they all dress up like him. And then you actually... Took like created art that made it look like like these Batman villains, but dressed up in Kevin McAllister's clothes, like the green army pants and the red sweater, and and I absolutely loved that and thought that was like so great. It's like our first fan art that, that I, it, it made me feel like I made it at that point, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, I remember it had something to do with the Condiment Man. It was yes, like, the the yeah, that was really um, <laughs> that was fun to make too. Like I'd yeah. never thought to make even McAllister, Batman goons.
0: Yeah, and it was really good. Like, it was funny, and it looked really good. And I and it's just, it was really cool. And last year, I meant to try to create, like, Christmas ornaments for um, gifts to send out to people. And I remember asking about if I could do that. Unfortunately, it just didn't happen because for whatever reason, when I was trying to print them it was like really weird in terms of it wouldn't let me do like a back end or when i try to upload the image it didn't really fit so i'm hoping that this year i can like find a program that allow me to print it and make it look good and and be able to send that out because that's something i definitely want to do at some point so yeah yeah. Well. well thanks for coming on the show one of the things i've been asking people is um that that our guest host is we talk about comics and we know that you're on the show because you love comics, but outside of comics, uh, let's talk about like, you know, who you are as a person. And, you know, you, as you said in your bio, you're a, um, you were an English professor. Are you still teaching English at a college? No, no, but no. I'm still
1: working at in that setting.
0: Right. Right. You were yeah. like, I know you were an academic advisor for a while. Yeah. A, a version of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember because we had this discussion because I was academic advisor for a long time as well too. So you and yeah. I yeah. talk about that in length and all that. Um, but like outside of comics, you, you went back and um, started doing graphic design. Which, by the way, I, I I gotta say this. I love the takes that you've been doing with uh, Rob Liefeld. I know you haven't done it in a while, but you would take I was like thinking some about th- yesterday. <laughs> <and doing one. laughs> you need to like so. <laughs> So for those who don't know, um, Kevin has taken some of uh, photos that Rob Liefeld um, are out there on like Twitter that people have taken with like cosplays of like Deadpool or like create, uh, characters that um, he's created, right? But if you know Rob Liefeld, he's known for drawing like really really tiny feet on characters, and so what Kevin has done is take those photos and. <laughs> and like photoshopped the feet of those cosplayers And Rob to make it look really small Like his characters And then you tweeted it out And even tagged Rob Liefeld in it And Rob has actually yeah. liked to retweeted those Like not realizing what you've done to them, right? Yeah, he
1: did it <laughs> twice And then the third one They made the feet super small But he didn't retweet it <laughs> so I, I flew too close to the sun. But yeah. It was like back to back. He'd retweet them. That was yeah. great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he must have picked up on the third time. He's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you're going back to do graphic design right now. What, um, what are you hoping to do with, with graphic design? Like what made you decide to leave what you were doing as an English professor and going back into school to study graphic design?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I've always liked design and art. Like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I wanted to be a comic book artist. Probably most kids do um, realize. Like, I don't have the dedication, I guess, to become like an artist. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, design is kind of being an artist and right. looking at the trade dress of books, um, the lettering, is graphic design logos. That kind of made me connect to comic books. Not that I want to do that, but mm-hmm. knowing I'm in a profession that I could do that. Right. Um, so right now I'm really interested in in school and class package de- design, like mm. tea boxes or just anything mm-hmm. and learning all about the I guess the production side of it rather than just the design side. Right. Yeah. And right. so that Super into that right now.
0: (laughs) So so when you talk about production design, it it's explain this to me like what production design is because when I hear that I'm thinking of it's not necessarily just graphic design, but like how you would actually design like maybe a cardboard box to be delivered or something like that, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, if you take apart like a I don't know, any product, uh maybe not a cardboard box, but like, you know, a box of tea or Mm -hmm. a box that something came in. It's it's kind of wonky looking. It's not just a rectangle. Right. Um, There's usually like the flaps. And so realizing you have to design those, make sure everything fits perfectly, Mm -hmm. because you're designing in 2D and that it's going to be this 4D, really. Um, But then you have to think about where you're printing it on what, uh, what colors are you going to be printing with? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a whole, is, do you use Adobe suite?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. You I ever, use it for everything basically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like with um, Pantone colors, like with mm-hmm. Photoshop and stuff. Yeah. That's a whole nother ball game. It's like <laughs> the stuff you really don't think about when you look at the box of cereal.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm sure. No kidding. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's kind of go into, you know, what got you into comics. Usually, what I've been doing on the show is I ask people like what their comic book origin story. But as I've been listening to more podcasts about comic books, like I realize that's not a very original question because everybody <laughs> asks that. Because it's like, oh, origin story. That's in comic books. So yeah, let's like make it a thing. Um, but since you picked. Batman, Superman, World's Finest. I want to ask you, what's your origin story with either the World's Finest series or maybe Batman or Superman if you enjoy one of them or the other or if you have like a really, you know, interesting story you want to share about your origin story with one of those characters?
1: Yeah, well, for World's Finest, I have – my dad had a bunch of old ones from the 60s. Okay. So I would always see those as a kid. Um, But for – I guess for Superman – um, my origin for that is the Christopher Reeve mm-hmm. movie or movies um and I think maybe because that was it, there was just the one uh, right. actor versus Batman by the time I was a little kid. Um, it was all the way up to George Clooney mm-hmm. so Batman on screen wasn't as iconic. I guess. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to have like this one bat, uh Superman. Um, and then of course I was alive at the perfect time where Batman animated series was wrapping up. Yes. Um, X-Men animated series was wrapping up the, all the justice league shows they were out long enough that I wouldn't have to wait for new episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, right. So, being exposed to those cartoons are also a big part of why I'm into comic books and Batman and Superman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of my same origin story as well, too, is that when I was a kid, um, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies were out. And so I remember I would watch those. And then, you know, I was that kid that would get a towel and, and get a safety pin and put it around my neck and then actually, you know, be running around the lawn. And then I remember I first got my. For Superman's suit, you thought as a kid that with having that suit, that would actually enable you to fly. So I would go out to the front yard jumping and waiting for it to like actually take me off and have me flying around. So I was really disappointed that it never worked for me. But that was my introduction as well, too, as those Superman uh, movies that I must have watched on VHS at home or something like that. Because by the time he got to the fourth one, I think I was still a, a pretty young kid. Um But all the other ones, I think, were on VHS tapes. And then, you know, Michael Keaton and Adam West were my first two Batman um, uh, actors, basically, because I would watch the, you know, 1966 show on Saturday morning. And then Michael Keaton as Batman came out in 89, and I was a kid. So those were, same thing with me, those were my first introduction to those characters. And then I don't think I really read a Batman comic when I was a kid but I read um The Death of Superman when I was a kid and I remember that having like a really profound impact because I think I was 12 when it came out 10 or 12, okay. and I remember thinking like, you know, that you remember Superman being invincible and the fact that he died in this issue was just something that was mind-blowing in terms of, yeah. wow, that's like, it's a really powerful story and just kind of turn it, everything you knew about him on its head and, and all that, so, um, but yeah, it sounds like a lot of people um, around our age, their first introduction to either of those characters were, you know, from the movies or TV show. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, um, diving into Batman Superman's World Finest, I wanted to ask you before we start um, talking about the book, what made you decide to suggest this book for today's episode?
1: Uh, for this one, I think it's the one since 2022 I've consistently read. Mm-hmm. Um, like I read a lot like to review. This is one that if I wasn't reviewing, I'd absolutely be following it. Yeah. Um, I think... T- at the time, too, in 2022 and then to now, there was like Dark Crisis going on um, until recently. It was just DC was still kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have this very safe, almost like a Saturday morning cartoon of a series um, was really nice to just sit down and read once a month.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it, we'll get into it. but It's a really... Interesting aspect of um, storytelling for DC for a number of reasons. Um, You know, one, this is a series that there's not a... The World's Finest series seems like it hasn't had a whole lot of issues in terms of this kind of story. Um, I think there's only been like... World's Finest for Batman and Superman has only been written like maybe a handful of times. So this is probably like the third or fourth run of World's Finest. Um, But as we get into the series to talk about, we also find out that this is not a present day story they just said like in the not too distant past so not in the future but in the past so this is something that's like already happened so it's really interesting to see them write a story that has already happened and taken place um which we find out again as we're going through it that um it's really interesting to see because then i wonder if that helps you avoid continuity issues because you already know like what's happened and someone can actually check those things instead of You know, like having all these stories happening all at once and hoping that, you know, none of them can contradict each other or anything like that. So it's a really interesting aspect because I don't think I've seen that happen too often where they write a story that's already has happened or taken place in continuity. um, But it's a new story that's being written as well, too. So... Uh, Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into the story And for anyone that's listening um, If you have not read Batman Superman's World Finest Yet, this is your spoiler warning now To let you know that we're going to be talking about what happens Um, And this is just Issues 1 through 5 They're currently on issue number 14 I think of the series, but this volume That we're reading is volume 1 that consists Issues 1 through 5 that came out Last year in 2022, but if you haven't read it yet And you don't want it to be spoiled This is your warning now to go ahead and pause this um, and not go further until you've read it so with that being said let's go ahead and kind of do a synopsis of what the story is about with kevin and i um so kevin in in issue one what we find out is it uh, again this happens in a not too far off past but it opens up with of all people poison ivy in metropolis right and Poison Ivy is having all these, like, plants and veins, um, you know, coming up and through the ground. You know, Metropolis seems like it's under attack. And then she's expecting Superman to show up. And she hears someone, you know, address her. But when she turns around, she seems surprised because she finds that it's Batman and, and Robin behind her. Right? So... They stop Poison Ivy. Superman shows up after, you know, saving everybody from the Daily Planet, from the buildings falling down and things like that. And he comes back up and then uh, Metallo shows up. Is that how you pronounce the name? Do you know is it Metallo or is I, it Metallo? I think so.
1: <laughs> I said Metallo. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've read it that way since I was a kid.
0: So yeah. who knows? <laughs> so so you know who Metallo is then?
1: Yeah. Kind of a classic Superman a uh, villain yeah
0: okay i think this is the first time i've ever heard of or seen metallo so this is like brand new to me yeah and he's more of a
1: silver age like villain which that's what wade is kind of playing around with that age because um, yeah. it's kind of a silly concept
0: Right, it, it, well, because at first when I was looking at this, it looked like almost the cyborg Superman that we had after the death of Superman events, um, because it's kind of like a half machine, half person. But then we find out that he has kryptonite in him as well, too, because when he shows up, like that's the first thing Superman said is, is kryptonite. Yeah. So yeah, so Metallo shows up and he takes this vial of uh, or a syringe of red kryptonite cocktail basically so i guess red kryptonite for people who don't know has an effect on superman where if it gets ejected apparently he goes through like transmutations or transformations or something like that
1: yeah red kryptonite is random like yeah you don't know what the effect is so it's right. kind of a silver age silly thing too <laughs> it's not so silly here but right yeah um, that's kind of a, a thing that wade probably wanted to play around with
0: yeah. Well, and what's interesting is just like you said, it's random, but uh, Metallo specifically said that it's not just one red kryptonite, but I guess it's like a cocktail of 12. So he in, he takes that and injects it into Superman. Um, and then we see him start going through some transformation, right? Um, and it goes through all these weird things like his. Body like starts becoming transparent. He's going through like some really intense um, audio things. Like you know, everything was just really loud and it was like pounding his head and stuff like that. Um, and then in the middle of the story, we go to a flashback, or in the middle of the issue, we go to this flashback of Batman and Robin trying to stop Penguin from um, committing a crime, and Superman helps him. And it's all sets up to I think it's like four pages, so it's not very long. But at the end of that flashback, um, you know Batman tells him, you know, thank you for helping out. I think it might have been like the first time that Superman yeah, it helped like him. It. Yeah, yeah, the way the way they approached and talked about it it seems like it's the first time. And Superman said, "No problem." He's like, "I I do this because I know you would have my back, right?" And like Batman shakes his hand and says, "Right." Which part of me is like, "Is this like a trick? Like is Batman saying this, you know, as a way of saying like, yes, I'm just going to gain your trust, but I don't trust you because he never trusts anybody, right?" Yeah,
1: <laughs> and uh, especially with. There's pre-crisis, post-crisis, um, yeah. and the new 50. Like whatever continuity this is, yeah. sometimes Batman isn't trusting at all. Yeah. So <laughs> this one, whatever Wade is showing us, I'm like, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. This, this seems sincere. Like I, this is remember when I first saw that. I'm like, is, is there something like underlying here that's happening? But. We find out that the whole reason why they kind of do this flashback is because then, you know, they go back to the the present day, uh, what's going on in the issue that Superman is going through his like fifth or sixth transformation from the red uh, kryptonite cocktail. And he starts having these hallucinations and he thinks that Batman is General Zod. And so he starts fighting him. Right. Um, but then Batman said, you know, I always have your back, like repeating what he had first told Superman, what Superman first told him in that flashback. And then that's how Superman realizes that it's just a hallucination. It's not real. Um, but then I guess in the midst of all that, Batman calls Niles Calder and Doom Patrol because they were saying that they need to have a specialist to kind of calm Superman down. And, and if I don't know Niles Calder very well, but from what I do understand is that Doom Patrol are people that has gone through like these really weird, significant things um, that are really odd. And he's like kind of like a – for lack of a better term, Niles Calder is kind of like a Frankenstein scientist where he kind of yeah. mixes a lot of things to kind of, you know, stabilize people and, and make them well. So like one of the characters is a robot man who he took he takes like the consciousness or brain of a race car driver that died in a car accident and puts it inside of a robot, right? There's another guy named Larry Trainer who I think becomes invisible after a freak accident. Um, all these weird things, right? So in the midst of all this, Batman had called Niles Calder, and the Doom Patrol shows up to help out, and they finally stabilize Bat, or um, they finally stabilize uh, Superman, and takes him over to the mansion where Doctor Niles Calder is at, and that's the end of issue one, basically. Yeah. Um, issue two, Kevin, do you want to start explaining what happens in issue two after that? Yeah. So
1: issue two, it picks up right off um, where it ends. They're at the. Doom Patrol Manor, whatever it would be called. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do stabilize them. Um, but it's it's pretty uh graphic. Yeah. Yeah, like the like Dan Mora is such a classic looking artist, like his style, but the horror is uh the body horror is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but so they do neutralize them and they're all kind of talking afterwards and um they're they're in like the study of this manner, I guess. Right. And they kinda of come onto the conversation that this this whole plot was kind of run by I say the devil Nazha. Yeah. Like know.
0: that's the that's the thing with comics, like you don't know how they're really pronounced really, so I've been saying like Neza, but I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Neza, maybe that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um the, the devil Neza, Naza, yeah. Yeah. And so you kinda get the whole
1: backstory behind that, and it's very embedded in Chinese mythology. Mm-hmm. Um the house of G or
0: I'm guessing it's G or J. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's J I. It's it's so again, yeah. I, I I'm not sure how to pronounce it either, but I think I've been saying yeah, House of G, um, and and it and this story that they're talking about happened like in 1600 BC, and it seems like I my only basis is um like the show Avatar,
1: But okay. each person had a element, all those uh soldiers, I guess they would be right. So you kind of get the backstory, and so now Supergirl and Robin. Need to go back and talk to them and figure out how they did it, um, right? And then, I, am I missing? Is Billy in this episode? In this issue?
0: They, so they talk about a. Um, so, kind of backtrack a little bit. So when they're talking about the the devil Naza, um, you know, they're, they're talking about the history of like how you know how he was created. Basically, he was. He had died and then his father, like, brought him back to life with some elixir and then he became immortal, but became evil basically and, like, mutated into this sort of, like, devil creature. And so to stop him, the house of G, you know, trapped him inside of something, but they don't know what or, or didn't even know, like, they trapped, they just know they stopped him, right? And and this was, like, a long time ago. And the reason why they're bringing it up is because they have found, like, his sword, I guess, and that now there's rumblings that, he may be back and they don't know how he escaped or or how or anything like that. And the reason for this is because I guess Niles Calder has been monitoring like all the heroes, which Batman gets upset about which is interesting yeah. because it's like, he does kind of the same thing. So I think it's more of like, it's okay if I do it, it's not okay for you to do it. <laughs> um, and he says but, like, we'll have a word about this later or something. Yeah, like that. Exactly. It's like, we'll talk about this later, which I kind of get because like, he's part of the justice league. So I think he, like they know in a sense that he does this sort of thing, but like for yeah. somebody else, that's not part of that group. Like I kind of get it, but it's like, it's, it's very much the pot calling the kettle black in that regard. Um, but Niles has said that there's something happening with this boy, and he doesn't say who it is. Um, but also, Flash and Wonder Woman, Green Lantern are having some issues, and they don't know what. They just know that you know they're like frantically you know fighting somebody. And so the issue ends with um, Batman and Superman going to save. Um, what they find out is Billy Baston, um, who is Shazam, from this character named Felix Faust. Which again, I'm assuming. Kevin as you've been saying that this is a character from yeah, the silver age yeah. as well too.
1: Yeah, I think that's my guess cuz I'm not yeah. too familiar.
0: I well, I haven't heard of these characters before but like what well, once we get into issue 3 and start talking about like who else shows up these names very much sound like a silver age kind of name yeah. like, for villains, you know. So uh, but yeah, so that's how issue 2 uh, and is that they go and try to say Batman. Superman goes and tries to help out um, Billy Baston and uh, Supergirl and Robin. Which, by the way, Superman calls Supergirl. So Supergirl hasn't been on the scene yet until Superman like calls for her um, to take Robin and go back in time to talk to the House of G to find out how they stop Neville and Neza, right? Um and apparently when Supergirl and Robin Like first interact with each other It was really cool Like the lettering So themselves Like so them like addressing each other So Supergirl says Robin But it's like very cold And the lettering The bubble Has like those like icicles To make it You know look like You know this is a very yeah. cold sounding address So you know Something happened between the two And I don't know what happened And I don't know if anybody really You know Does unless you've been You know reading everything But it's clearly There's some Tension between the two Right so That's how issue two ends. Um, Issue three, what happens is, again, Robin and Supergirl finally um, go back to um, end time to talk to House of G. When they show up, they have um, the Devil and Naza's... um, sword with them because that's how Supergirl's able to go back to the exact time to find them yeah. because not only does he have the ability to like travel through the time storm or, or the time whatever she called it, the time vortex, like you use the sword to kind of be able as like a guiding rod or something like that. So yeah, that's the
1: way I saw it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it's almost like a like an artifact for them to know like this is the time period that we're trying to get into basically. So when they show up, House of G thought that they were with the the devil Naz- Neza because. Um, of that sword and so they finally You know kind of stop them and Explain to them what they're trying to do And that they're from the future and so House of G explain you know they were able To fight him off for like you know five Days and then they were able to put him in a tomb And then at the end of it Raman's like well there's got to be cuts because that Seems really easy and They said like well there's the issue with Sealing the tomb and, and that's kind of how That issue leads off with that story Is we don't know you know How they seal the tomb Meanwhile, Doom Patrol was sent to find out where the tomb is at because no one knows um, where the tomb was, and so they meet up with this guy named General Mortis, who's apparently an immortal, but um, I I think he was a villain, but now he has um, Alzheimer's as well, so he's not sad. Yeah, like
1: really morbid.
0: It is, yeah, because that's what they pointed out. They're like, oh my gosh, this man is like going to live forever, and he has Alzheimer's, so he's going to live forever with that. And it's you know, we all know it's a very you know painful, debilitating, you know, disease. So like, it's just a, even as a villain, you know, it's just like, it's very, it's very, um, it's very tragic to see anyone go through that. Yeah. Yeah. So they find out from him that the location of the tomb of all places is off of Corto Maltese, which I feel like Corto Maltese is like the go-to place for anything, you know, sinister to happen for a story. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And then, um, As that's going on, Superman and Batman fly off to Central City to uh, save the Flash from Mirror Master, which, again, sounds Mm -hmm. like a Silver Age villain, um, and Wonder Woman from Dr. Alchemy. In the process, we see Green Lantern shows up, but he is clearly possessed, and he traps Superman and Batman in a Green Lantern cell, and it ends the issue with... Uh, Batman asking Alfred, you, you know, check to see where the other Justice League members are at. And Alfred says that everything looks fine, but we see that in the Batcave, uh, the devil Neza is like right possessing him. him. Like, Yeah, he's behind him. It looks like he might be possessing yeah. him or something like that. Yeah. So um, so that's kind of how the issue ends. Right. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Do you want to go to issue four? Because I know issue four is really exciting for me. It's probably my favorite issue um, from the series. But do you want to explain what happens in issue four? Uh, Yeah.
1: Um, so in issue four, it starts off, Robin and Supergirl are still back in time, mm-hmm. but um, now House G told them how to uh, seal it, um, which we'll find out. Um, as they're coming back, and it's kind of funny seeing Supergirl just hold Robin. Yes. <laughs> kind of like... Uh, Superman does the same thing to Batman.
0: I know, it's but so it, it's like this display of power that they show off. Like they could uh, they could hold them because they're like super beings. Like they could probably hold them in any sit like certain way. But yeah. it's it's almost like you know displaying their power of like just to remind you, like. I'm holding you this way to make, to embarrass you in a sense, because I'm more powerful than you are. Like it's, it's always funny that always fly them the same way. It's like, no matter what story or issue you're you're reading from any series, they always hold them in that same way. And I find it hysterical. It's just like, like you don't see them like being held or carried or, or anything else in a different way. It's, it's always like that. And it's just, it's yeah, I agree with you. It's hysterical to see that.
1: Yeah. And I, it might be in the newest issue, but Robin, is flying on Superman's back. He might be Indian, like <laughs> sitting cross legged, like on a <laughs> device, maybe not a phone. Um, right. um, but so we get that great visual. Mm-hmm. But there's um, some type of storm, like a time storm. And Robin slips. And mm-hmm. what we see is he's lost in time. Um, and so Supergirl has, comes back. Um, and we'll see here a little later. Meanwhile, Batman and Superman are fighting uh the Green Lantern, the Devil Neza. Um, and they kind of figure out that because the ring is built on will or will power, mm-hmm. they they uh will they both kinda do it like the Care Bear <laughs> thing where they they will it and the ring comes to them and they fuse into how
0: would you describe it <laughs> it's yeah it's like a um almost like super green man right like it's it's a hybrid which is really cool it's a hybrid of superman batman and green lantern um all as like a singular entity both in terms of not so much mine because you see like both the consciousness kind of talking back and forth between the two yeah. but it, it's one person so they're infused with each other and with the green lantern um, but it's funny because, cause like you said, Batman said, you know, their will powers alone can't override him. But it's like, but maybe both of ours combined can override him. That's exactly what happens. You know, it's like it's like the Captain Planet yeah. effect, like all your powers yeah. combine. You know, um, and so that's what what's happened is, you know, they become like the singular entity, and um, and so they and they go ahead and start fighting uh, Devil Nezah and then apparently has his own. Justice League of people that yeah he like that possessed. Justice
1: League, um, which they all look great. Mm-hmm. Just like that fight scene, um, I immediately thought of the fusions from Dragon Ball Z. I don't oh know if yeah. you watch that?
0: i I'm, I'm not. I have seen a few episodes, but like a long time ago. So I'm yeah, so probably not. That's yeah. it. Just like
1: the two people fuse, and then it can kind of just. Clear up and take everyone out. Um, mm-hmm. But it was great writing, but the execution of Super Batman <laughs> taking everyone out while there's a countdown. Yeah. When the power is running out and they shoot him up uh, Neza into the sky, they know where they have to go. Mm-hmm. And as the power is running out, um, they're getting him there. And if I remember correctly, Supergirl comes at that very moment and kind of finishes the job and right. to get him to Corto Maltese.
0: Right. Yeah, because the yeah. the Green Lantern ring, if you're not familiar, it's like it's charged, so it has like a charge. So it only lasts for so long and then once it's depleted you have to put the ring inside the actual lantern to recharge and so as all this is happening you see that countdown that you were talking about and they're trying to get him to Corto Maltese and the ring pretty much gets depleted and they you know separate out into Superman Batman as their own entity and so you know Neza has the upper hand and then that's when Supergirl shows up and knocks him into Corto Maltese and then the issue ends with Supergirl telling them and Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol shows up as well, too, how to seal the tomb, which is somebody has to seal it from the inside. And and that's like the whole, you know, uh, twist of events that happens, right? It was the, like just the pacing, that huge fight, and then the realization
1: someone has to be in the tomb.
0: Yeah, that's, like that last great. that yeah, that final page splash page is like each of the characters like faces in shock when Supergirl explains like what has to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, so issue five, which is the final issue of the trade paperback that we're covering, the volume one, is pretty much the final battle issue. Um, and as they're fighting Neza, Neza has this ability to possess people. So he possesses Superman and um, read a fair of Doom Patrol, who's like a elastic girl, I guess, or, you know, she has elasticity. So she can kind of make herself big. She can stretch her out, uh, herself out a little bit, things like that. Um, and then in the midst of all those things, robot man hits Neza and hits him like really hard and everyone's really surprised how he knocks him out and then Supergirl remembers that when they were talking to House of G that they said Neza you know is familiar with every form of like science and element but she realizes that's from His era back in 1600 BC, he's not familiar with any of this technology in current day. So that kind of gives him the upper hand. And Superman and Rita is free from his mind control. Um, And then Superman, like, flies out to the Fortress of Solitude for like a quick 30 seconds and comes back with a Phantom Zone gun, which again, Maybe that's from Silver Age, but I remember thinking like a gun that creates Phantom Zone. Like maybe that's how it is. I've never seen in the comics how Superman sends them into the Phantom Zone, but he has a gun that just does that, right? Yeah, that yeah. looks yeah. like a toy. It looks like a toy. Yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering if like they're going to market it later on, be like, oh, I'll get the Phantom Zone toy, yeah. or, you know, gun. <laughs> you know, send your friends to the to the uh, you know old, the mirror dimension. Um, but so Superman sends Neza there. But Neza, you know, apparently adapts really quickly and comes back through the dimension. And so in the last ditch effort, Superman grabs Neza and he grabs the enchanted talisman that the house of G gave Supergirl in order to seal the tomb. And he flies both of them into the tomb, closes the tomb and seals the tomb from inside. So it seems like Neza and Superman are both in the t- inside the tomb for all eternity. Um, but as that's happening and people are you know kind of in this grim state of realization batman also realizes that the phantom zone gun is missing And he's asking where it's at, and then they're looking around and they see like this little sliver of crack in um, just like out in the open in space. And Batman realizes that's the Phantom Zone, so they all go to that barrier and like pulling it apart, pulling it open. And Superman reaches his arms out, so they're all like pulling him out from the um, from that. And and basically, Superman is in the tomb, but they're pulling him out from the tomb through the Phantom Zone dimension, and then they seal it up before Neza gets out. And so it kind of ends with. Nez's fate being sealed, you know, mm-hmm. pun intended there. And the issue ends with Supergirl explaining what happened to Robin and that she lost him in the time stream during the time storm accident. And then it's apparent that in the next issue, Batman's going to work on trying to retrieve Robin from the time stream. And so that's how volume one ends. And that is the summary synopsis. Kevin, is there anything that we missed that we want to put in there for any of the listeners um. before we start going into our review of it?
1: I think we hit it all. Um, a lot of nice, which we'll probably talk about, a lot of nice Batman, Superman emotional moments, I guess. Like Batman's yeah. human, which is yeah. nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not like a, a grittier, um, grimmer character in this. Which I really enjoy. Yeah, it, looks it, 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 like you said, we'll we'll go into this a little bit later. But he, yeah. it's definitely kind of, it's definitely a Mark Wade kind of character where he likes to have things good. a little bit lighter, and it's nice to have that sort of balance in that. And, and, yeah. and you definitely see that in, in the writing here and the art. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's it's really good. So before we get into our review, let's share what some of the listeners thought about the series. I tweeted out and, and posted in. Discord and posted in our Slack channel for Comic Watch um, what people thought about um, Batman Superman World's Finest Volume 1 here. And From Comic Watch um, Our reviewer Anthony Bergamini Said there's something Special about Seeing the friendship Between Batman and Superman Maybe it's the Warring personalities Or the drastically Different upbrings But it just works Either way Mark Wade brings The best out of That with this series And then from our uh, Illuminati Discord channel Joe Loves Comics Says great fun series Love the classic Versions of the Characters How they're written By Wade The classic aesthetic By Mora And Bond Villains So vibrant And just delightful And then Um Also from the Illuminati Discord channel, uh, Kim from ODPH Podcast said, One of the comics' best writers teams up with the hottest artists in the game to re-energize one of the most iconic duos in comics history. Big wins all around. Again, if you want to join the Discord, uh, the Illuminati Discord that we have, there's a lot of great people in it. I have a link to that in the show notes if you want to join that. Um, So it's open to anybody. And then on Twitter, we have So Wizard Podcast said the world's finest uh, chef's kiss emoji, best book on the stands, and Bumpkins uh, TV on Twitter said my favorite book of 2022 and my favorite book on the stand. So a lot of people seems like really enjoy this. I don't think I've heard a really A a lot of negative things or any negative things About this um, story so far And so it seems like everybody talked to about this Everybody absolutely loves the story And it's definitely um, been one of the uh, Best sellers from DC Comics so far This year so um, So thank you everybody who shared their thoughts Um, Kevin, before we start Going to like our favorite moments And and the I Wish moments What's your overall thoughts about the series And and anything you want to share about that
1: um, like a elevator pitch if I was selling it to someone. It's yeah. a Saturday morning cartoon. Um like you don't you don't need to know a lot, I guess. But like mm-hmm. you get great Batman moments, great Superman moments. Um the art is stunning, uh the writing is smart, and it's mm-hmm. it's I'm not a big fan of writing for the trade. But five five issues is a pretty good um well paced little first volume.
0: Right. Yeah, especially this one. I mean, this one's definitely a good collection because it's all centered on Devil Neza. And I don't know what's happened after issue five, but my guess is, you know, that villain is pretty much contained, so they're moving on to the next series. Um but yeah, I, I thought the writing was really well done. Um, you know, there are some moments where it's a little bit confusing about where some of these elements are coming from. So like, for example, when Supergirl and Robin have that cold, you know, discussion when they first, you know, acknowledge each other in the series, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but at the same time, it's written in a way that it doesn't really leaves the readers, you know, confused or think that they're missing out on a lot because he does a pretty good job of, not letting you dwell on that and realizing and, and inviting you into that relationship and that story of seeing like what's happening now. Like, yeah, there's obviously some sort of history that's happened, but you don't need to know what that history was in order to enjoy this story that's happening here. And I think that's kind of a hard balance to hit with comics, especially if there's tie-ins, which I don't think there's any tie-ins with this story. Um, but with tie-ins, you sometimes as a reader feel like you have to read all these other stories to know what's going on in this one. And and I don't think you have to in this one. Like, yes, there's something, you know, h- historical that may have happened between the two, but it doesn't really leaves you really confused as you're going through the story either.
1: I think that interaction I think it's like issue 11. You you see the date that they're Mm. talking about. Yeah. Um, And I didn't realize that until I reread it. Right. I'm saying something about, I didn't think there'd be a monkey there. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All all that, you can go read it. Um, But I think characters can infer enough uh, history between the two that even if there wasn't that issue, Mm -hmm. um wade did a pretty good job just kind of placing that there right and you either know even if there's nothing to know you kind of get it
0: right yeah yeah and and that was actually one of my favorite moments from the series is that whole interaction that they had um because even though you don't know the history like what they're talking about there there's this whole well I'll, i'll go into that a little bit later i'll i'll uh i'll talk about that a little bit later um but yeah, like overall, like I thought the art was fantastic. I absolutely love um, not just the the artwork and the coloring, but the compositions that they have in there, and um, just how they told the story um, from a visual medium. And so I, I think I can see why this is a very popular series for a lot of people because it's a um, it's a lighter story than what we usually get from DC comics. Cause everyone knows that DC comics is like always, you know, the darker series. And this one's definitely a lighter one that is very enjoyable. I, I know you compare it to like Saturday morning cartoons. I, yeah. I wouldn't compare it to that necessarily, but it's definitely lighter in a sense of like, maybe it's more of a, like a TGIF type of thing where there's still some of that, you know, serious drama that happens, but there's also enough comedy and, um, you know, warm hearted moments that you get as well, too. Uh, yeah, so I think that's yeah. why it's, it's really popular with a lot of people is because it's it's um, it's a little bit different than what we usually get from DC Comics. Um, I, I got to say, in terms of art, I, you know, now they explain that this is kind of a play with civil age um, characters, stuff like that. I, I've never really been a fan of. Supergirl having a skirt. Uh, I, I know that's how she was drawn when she was first introduced and you know that we can go into that whole, you know, that's kind of displaying, uh, you know, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the the sexist nature that's happened, you know, in comics like way back in the 30s and 40s and everything like that. Um, but nowadays like i get why people still do the skirt because it's kind of like that classic nostalgia and as you said you know this is kind of playing a little bit on the silver age as well but i've always been you know in this day and age i think supergirl just needs to not have a skirt and just have you know just you know pants or something like different suit. Yeah, yeah suit, you know so, something you know different than the the skirt because i don't think there's any reason for her to have a skirt anymore so no
1: that's yeah. funny too because uh Dick Grayson has pants. Yeah. They they mention it, too. I think in the flashback, he has his shorts. Yeah. Um, but that's he has pants, but she doesn't. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've read the Supergirl
0: series by Tom Ping. Oh, Woman of Tomorrow? Yeah. I'm. I, it's on my read list, actually. So not yet. No, but I'm okay. planning to. Really, yeah. really good. That's story what I've heard. Really good. Yeah. 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 I mean, the fact uh, that they're going to be making a movie based on that story tells you it's got to be good, you know? <laughs> yeah. The
1: first printing was uh, like a lot of paper imperfections. Uh huh. I got it the day it came out, like five bucks cheaper. Oh, no, because DC, DC had no, uh, like, they just did not care. And they right. just print it as cheaply as possible. A couple months later, mm-hmm. uh, James Gunn says he's going to make a movie. And they immediately went for reprints. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very, very good.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So with uh, with this volume, what was one of your key or favorite moments from this series that you want to share?
1: My favorite? There's so many good Um, moments between Batman and Superman. I think the one I loved the most was when they pull Superman out of the Phantom Zone and Batman says something like, um, Superman says, like, I knew you'd save me or something. Yeah. And Batman goes, that's quite the hunch. And then (laughs) Superman says, like, uh, expecting Batman to notice something. It's not a hunch. That's a plan. Something right. like that. Yeah. And that is like world's finest. Like that is it. Batman and Superman uh, acting the way I think they should act. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people will agree. Looking right. the way they should acting the way they should. Um, it was just one of those, those moments that you don't see a lot anymore or you don't right. get a lot anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. Right yeah it's um well and i I like that um, that whole scene as well too, because throughout the whole series you see that one of the things that I think people get hung up on with Superman is that they always think that he's all powerful and almost everything, and this is kind of a reminder of that. Even Superman has limits, right? So they really focus on the fact that Superman is vulnerable to magic. Um, They point out how Batman and Robin are great detectives to the point that Superman and Supergirl both need them in order to help them figure out what's going on. Because that's when Superman called Supergirl... To um, help find out From the House of G Like how they trapped The Devil Neza um, Supergirl said like You know I can do this On my own But Superman said Well you definitely need A detective's mindset yeah. On this And so that's why Robin's going with you So it's It's a nice reminder Of how they have Their own limitations And that we shouldn't Always jump to They're unstoppable And all things Because they're not They have limits in, in other things um, But it's really cool To see Just like what you said Here That Superman um, is picking up on, like, he still can plan things and kind of pick things up from Batman in terms of planning ahead, right? Um, and so it's really cool to see that Batman has that advantage all the way through the end. And then Superman takes a page from his playbook and just plans on, he knows this is what Batman's going to do, this is what he's going to figure out. And that he was relying on him and that he just takes a page out of his own playbook to be able to you know, save the world again and, and be able to do that. So it's a really cool way to kind of juxtapose and show how Batman is the world's greatest detective and that they all know it. But then Superman relies on that detective um, skills without even telling Batman to be able to finish off the story. So, yeah, I, I like that kind of interchange that they have at the end there. And that kind of just shows that relationship between the two and how they acknowledge like each other's strengths and, and how they rely on each other in certain moments too. Yeah. 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 For me, um, I was talking about this earlier, but the, one of my favorite moments is the exchange between Supergirl and Robin as Supergirl is, is flying Robin to the time stream. And again, holding him very awkwardly yeah. Right. As like a power like a play move by the scruff. <laughs> yeah. And Robin's just like, you know, arms crossed, you know, as he's just kind of being held across the sky and everything. And, and like, clearly not happy with this. Um, but as we mentioned, they had like this cold um, um, uh, exchange at, uh, earlier in the story. And they're just said, you know, Like Supergirl says, like, we're on a mission. And Robin's like, I know. And she says, so any conversation needs to be professional. So again, alluding to something happened with them between, like, in the past. And then they drew this kind of like awkward pause between the two that no one's saying anything. Then all of a sudden they just go into fighting about like whatever issues they have between each other. And this just kind of goes back and forth about like, it's either a single event or like multiple events that's happened that clearly they were upset with each other. And it's very, very funny. Like I remember laughing at that whole page. It's just how I can hear that happening in my head or, or even watching it on screen. I can see that um, taking yeah. place. And it was just... Again, it's one thing that I think Mark Wade really excels at and being able to tell and take a gritty story um, or gritty characters like Batman, Superman, like, you know, Daredevil, he's done the same thing as well, too, and add some lightheartedness comedy into it without, you know, making it a goofy kind of story. And I think this is like a great moment of showing, you know, how they had that comedic moment. It's funny is that page and then they just kind of moved on from that. And I just I absolutely love this is like a really great highlight of how Mark Wade can really capture some of those um, you know, comedic um comedic moments to be able to tell a fun story but not detract from the seriousness of the situation either. So I absolutely love that. That's that was one of my favorite moments in this story. Um Looking at this volume, was there anything in there that you're just like, you know, I wish this would have been different or I wish they would have done that?
1: I, I've been thinking about this and now because I've read 15 or whatever every, every issue so far. Um, you mentioned earlier how you're not a fan of tie ins.
0: It's not that I'm not a fan of tie ins, it's, it's more of I think sometimes tie-ins get a a little too much and it gets overwhelming if there are things in the story that it's clearly you need to know something from this story and that you can go down through this whole rabbit hole. And I think that's what a lot of people's problems with comics nowadays is that we tell them, you know, just jump into a story and start with uh, something that interests you if you've never done, you know, if you've never read one of those stories. But because some of these series are always reliant on, you know, like X-Men, for example. It's really bad at... Hey, here's the X Men story, but there's like 20 different series that all kind of, you know, rely on each other for you to know like what's going on. I think that gets overwhelming and very costly for people to just try to enjoy a story that that's why a lot of people probably wait for the trade paperback or just can't really get into it if they feel like they're missing out on a lot when the story is relying on all these signs. So I'm not against tie ins. What I am against is having so many tie ins that gets overwhelming in terms of, how many issues and how many series you need to keep up with just to know what's going on in the story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: With this, um, the last page, you see Damien finding the tomb. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you caught that. I did. Yeah. This, this whole volume is setting up Batman versus Robin, Mm -hmm. which set up Lazarus planet. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So I mean, this is more big picture and behind the scenes, um, but it seems like that kind of high-end aspect of it was mm-hmm. like a, an editor mandate. They wanted to get Lazarus Planet going. Right. Um, and it's on the third arc of World's Finest Now, and it now feels like Wade has hit his stride and he's doing what he wants to do with the series. Right. Um that's that's my thing. Like looking back, I think Wade would have had um, if he had a little more freedom, mm-hmm. it would have it would have like landed a little better. I mean, it's fantastic, right? Um, but there's always that little bit of the like DC overall picture that kind of influences things that mm-hmm. can be good. Um, sometimes it, it it's a little too much, I
0: guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the part that I wish would have been a little bit better is I I think there are some parts that didn't have a great connection or flow or explanation into why some of these things happen. Right. So for example, um, how they went from Niles Calder fixing Superman to all of a sudden talking about, you know, the devil Neza. um, I'm not sure why they stuck around to talk about these things. You know, it just kind of went from one page to the other as they're like, you know, 20 hours later. Now they're just sitting around having tea and they're talking about, you know, this sort of thing. And it's not clear to me why, you know, why they got to that point. Um, And issue number one, we saw a silhouette of Neza and like in the background, like he's the person kind of behind. Why Metallo, you know, injected The red kryptonite into Superman And there was someone else there, but I have no idea Who the second person is, and maybe they reveal that In a later arc or story And maybe we just haven't got to that, but like For me in volume one um, It's not clear who that second person is Um, They didn't explain how the house of G, you know Got the sword from the the devil Neza, Um, just just little things Like that, like Alfred and Neza, you know, when we're talking About how he was standing behind Alfred And might be mind controlling, whatever, like Nothing really happened after that. Did Alfred – did he just, like, leave Alfred B. and just, like, left them alone? I think that Neville Neza would have been, you know, let's kill this guy because he's not a very friendly person, you know? So there's just, like, little things yeah. that – at the same time, like, even though they do not really detract from the story and that it still works well – And that I enjoyed the story very much and that these are just little things that really don't bring the score down for me too much. There's just things I'm like, I I just wish they would explain these things, you know, just either take a... Maybe not a, a full you know page or anything like that, but maybe a panel to just kind of say, you know, yeah. how this connection happened or something like that. So it's just very little things. It's my new it's, it doesn't detract from the greater story at all because I love the story. I think it was a really good story. But it's just little things like that where I catch myself saying, like, wait, what happened here? Like, why? Like, for that example of like when they dove into the story of Devil Neza, I was like, did I miss something? Like, why is just sitting around talking about this now? So that, that's been yeah. my biggest hang up. But yeah.
1: It's funny, too, because now that I've read, like, a lot of this, um, I've read Lazarus Planet, i read Batman vs. Robin, Mm. I think all that gets explored. The flashback um, might be explored in Monkey Prince. Okay. (laughs) um, Which is a big part of Lazarus Planet. Yeah. Um, The Alfred thing gets... Revisited in Batman versus Robin. Okay, um, which is kind of both of our thing. It's like I don't want to have to read to get the full, even if just a little context in a panel. I don't want to have to go read three other series.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. Like I said, like there's a good balance. Like I think if you have like maybe a few series that's interchanged with each other, like you could do that. But like I said, with X Men with having so many tie in series, I think that's just overwhelmingly too much for people yeah. to really like get into. I know, like as an X Men fan, I'm always going to read, but I'm not going to uh, read all of them. I'm probably just going to select ones that seems interesting to me. But even then, there are times I'm like, I don't know what's going on in this part of the story that they're referring to. So I think having some tie ins, like you know, just like three or four at most works. But yeah, when you don't have those things in there, again. It wasn't detrimental that they didn't explain what happened to Alfred, right? It was just more of like, you know, you just want to know what happened to Alfred. Like, is he still alive? You know, there's a very sinister and um, ominous way to end that issue that you think something's going to happen to him, and then it just never gets addressed. Um yeah. So it's just one of those things Was just like kind of curious, like, well, so what did happen to him? But it it didn't tr- detract from the story. It wasn't a, a a hole in the story by any means whatsoever. So it, it still worked. Yeah. It's just more of yeah. like I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your final uh, favorite moment from the series here?
1: Uh, my favorite moment. I, th- I think was it issue four when they fuse that that was Mark Wade and uh, Mora and uh, Bond villain taking the toy box and just dumping it out. Yeah, and the, the Superman, Batman,
0: Green Lantern hybrid suit. With yeah, and the yeah. the Justice
1: League is there. Yeah, um, that was just. I think as a kid, I would have loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading it now was just so fun, and I think when I'm reading Batman, yeah, I. I'm not expecting to have fun. So as a nice reminder, just that was a really fun issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, It was a really fun issue for me as well, too. I absolutely love the, the concept of having Superman and Batman, you know, combining into a single person with the green lantern ring. The suit design was absolutely my favorite. I remember seeing images posted on social media and I remember thinking, what is this? This looks really cool. I thought it was like a brand new character that someone created, not realizing like this is the story that's from and what it is. So when I first saw yeah. that page, I was like, oh, this is where it's from. And I absolutely love the design of it. I hope we see more of that sort of um, either entity again in the future or at least more fun combos like that. Because I'll tell you what, the the way that Moore designed it is so great because he combined – Um, Superman and Batman so Seamlessly into this sort of thing like even The symbol that shows up right it's Like a Batman Superman Combo that I want That symbol on a shirt so I can Start wearing that around I I absolutely love That symbol I think it was so cool but Yeah that was my favorite moment as well too is just Seeing that not just the suit I Absolutely love that suit but the Fun that they had with the power so when Superman or when Batman's Telling Superman you know use your imagination You know he Took uh, the Green Lantern power of creating Batarangs out from thin air, and started throwing it, and and all the things that they came up with was really cool. So yeah, I I agree. That like, whole issue is just fantastic and a lot of fun with the accent, but I absolutely love the hybrid suit that they came up with. I think it was just, it was a lot of fun. It's a very fun, creative way to think of like a, what if situation and kind of make it a reality. And it just, it lasted for not even an entire issue. It lasted for like half an issue, but it was so much fun to read and see how creative and how ingenious they got with it. And I absolutely love that issue for that reason. I agree. Yeah.
1: And it didn't completely change the outcome. Right. It wasn't overused. Right. Um, you got some amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. And the way it ended, too, a Supergirl coming to kind of finish the job as they disconnect. It yes. Was, it was perfect.
0: Yeah. Yes. Now, again, what's funny is the Justice League was under the Devil Neza's mind control at that point, right? Of, of those characters. Yeah. So once he got knocked out you would think that the rest of the Justice League would have like snapped out and be like oh what's going on and then somehow reach out to Superman Batman and like join them in trying to stop yeah (laughs) Uh, but again that's one of those things where I, I think this is also something that as comic readers have to realize with telling these stories is that those are details that you just sometimes have to let go like don't say don't say you know i wish they would have inserted this this or this like and don't get hung up with that sort of thing because i think it's hard for us to do that especially in this day and age where we're always like over rationalizing like you know why didn't this happen why did yeah. this happen and they never explained that well just because they didn't explain it doesn't mean that you know there's a issue with it that's just not that's just they didn't tell the story that way so yeah they had to go back to their cities uh yeah take on a- <laughs> but yeah so in and that's the thing is like issue five happens pretty quickly that they probably didn't have time to figure out like, hey, what's going on, and and reach out to them before all this happened either. You know, it's yeah. issue five. Like it was probably even though it was an entire issue, probably took like it was probably like a five minute thing to happen at that point. You know, yeah. All right, well, that is pretty much our review of uh, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest. So let's go into the next segment of the show, which is the comics that we're reading for this week of April 24th um, of Monday. And I know this episode comes out on Tuesday, but we usually kind of, uh, release this part of the segment as a separate video piece um on YouTube um, on a Monday. And so this week, what we're going to talk about are the comics that we're reading um uh, currently, but also what's in our poll list, if we have anything in our poll list. So before Kevin and I share what we're reading, what's in our poll list, I'm going to share what people have shared with us, what they're reading. So from Comic Watch, B. rats shared that he is reading the Silver Age X-Men slash Avengers crossover. Um, it's definitely a product of its time. Best chapters are obviously... The Roy Thomas-penned Avengers, but the X-Men issues are rather enjoyable. They're dealing with the uh, with the death of Professor X, and they're entering into an era where they don't know exactly what this team wants to be. Anthony Bergamini from Comic Watch also said that he is reading Firestorm from uh, Jerry Conway and Eduardo uh, Pansica. Which I apologize if I'm not uh, pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Anthony said that it's a great modern update of the character that returns the character to a status quo that's closer to his pre-New 52 roots. From the Discord server, Kim from the ODPH podcast said that he's reading Local Man by Image Comics. An interesting story mixing in elements of early image uh, for modern retro vibe. And then from Twitter, we have AtFetBizarro said that he just got done reading The Mighty Barbarians number 1, which I think is from the um, Ablaze Comics Publishing. It was fun as heck, and he really liked it. Um, Kevin, of all those comics that they shared, was there any that you have read or, or liked or anything like that?
1: Um, I'm trying to... I think What did Anthony say
0: Anthony says he's reading Firestorm from Jerry Conway And Eduardo Pensica Which I know Jerry Conway Has um, written Firestorm I don't know about Eduardo I've been trying to figure out Which one he worked on but I can't find that one For some reason but it's it's the one from Jerry Conway Okay Yeah,
1: yeah. Not really I love hearing what people are reading Yeah <laughs> um, But I haven't read any of that I don't think
0: I, honestly, I haven't either, but you know, just like what you said, I like doing this segment and asking people what they're reading because hearing what they have to share, what their thoughts are about what they're reading, makes me want to go read those things as well, too. Um, one of the ones that I know I definitely want to read is this local man by Image Comics that Ken from ODPH said. It sounds really interesting, and I looked up the cover art, and the cover art looks really cool, too. So,
1: Whoa, Is that one very 90s? Image comics, maybe I I think
0: it's more recent. I think it might be an ongoing one, but I don't know 100% for sure. I I just looked it up real quick, um, just out of curiosity. So I don't know when it came out, but it looked a little bit recent. It didn't seem like it was a 90s comic, but again, I didn't really, you know, study it in depth (laughs) to see where it came out. So, (laughs) um, so thank you everybody for sharing what you're reading. Uh, Kevin, what are you currently reading, and what do you have on your poll list this week?
1: Um, Non-comics-wise, I'm reading through Lord of the Rings for the first time. Oh, so nice. it's taking a, a lot of my <laughs>
0: time. I <laughs> bet.
1: Um, I also just started Once in Future. Okay, yeah. By Karen Gillen, Dan Mora, Tamara Bonville, and um, fantastic series. I'm only a couple issues in, um, but the art is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I think... The Green Arrow number one is coming out. Yes, by, uh, Josh Williamson. Yes, and then the uh, Riddler Year One, to four,
0: is coming out. I don't know if you've read that, but that's a really good series. I I, I that's on my poll list, so that's on my poll for this week. And I agree, it's it's fantastic. It's written by uh, Paul Dano, who plays the Riddler yeah. in the Batman movie, and it's it's written really well. And the artwork captures the story so well. Um, what I love about the artwork in that one is that it really captures, um, it reflects the mental state of Riddler as he's going through some of these moments and these issues. And and I absolutely love it. I think it's a really different way yeah. of telling um, the story of the Riddler. Um, it's definitely, again, because it's Paul Dano writing it. It definitely is in continuity with the movie, but it's really, really fascinating, and I love everything about that series. It's definitely one of the ones I'm really glad I picked up, and I kept it on my pull list because it's just such a fantastic story from a storytelling perspective, from the writing, from the art, everything about it I really like. It's, it's definitely more on the darker, depressing side that we talk about DC yeah. is known for, but... <laughs> It's really, really good in how they do that and, and telling that story of it. So, it's, yeah, I agree. It's it's really good. So, yeah, that's on my pull list as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Um,
1: I think that's it. I haven't looked at what's coming out for Marvel, but I'm definitely leaning towards DC a lot these days.
0: Yeah. 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 I... I I definitely get a lot From Marvel and DC But I'm getting a lot From other ones as well too Especially when I'm hearing Recommendations from people um, Like this one came out Last week uh, But no one from um, Image Comics And Black Market Narrative uh, Written by Kyle Higgins Like that's definitely One I absolutely love And that was a, from A recommendation from A friend of mine um, But this week on my Pull list I'm getting Daredevil number 10 um, The Riddle Year 1 We already talked about Sins of Sinister Dominion I think is supposed to be wrapped up, like the current Sins of Sinister storyline. So, I think this is the last one. Um, Tales from Nottingham number three, which, if you don't know about that one, that is um, kind of like a spinoff series from Nottingham of Mad Cave Studios that's written by David Hazan. That's a kind of like a retelling of the Robin Hood story. Um, so, I'm getting that issue this week. And then I have been loving. All the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff So I'm getting issue number 139 this week And then The Last run in the Lost Years Is coming out this week as well too So I'm getting that issue Um In terms of things I'm going to start reading this week If you've been listening to like the last five episodes You'll hear me say that I'm going to start X-Men Red I have not started it yet, <laughs> but I'm really, really hoping I will to this week because I'm now caught up on all my polis I've been, I've been traveling around. I've gotten sick, and so I've been behind on a lot of things. So I haven't been able to get to X Men Red, but I definitely have it on my to uh, to read this week. So I'm planning on starting it this week. So I promise everybody, I'm reading it this week, um, and I'm also going to read like what we talked about, Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow. Which I was really lucky that I picked that up um, because like you said, it sold out everywhere in terms of printings and everything. And I thought all my local comic shops had them sold out, but I was able to find one at one of the shops I went to. So I was, I snagged it right away and I said, I'm going to pick it up and read it. So I'm going to read that. Um, hopefully it started this week as well too. So, so thank you everybody for sharing what they're reading. Um, and thank you, Kevin, for sharing what you're reading, what's on your pull list this week. And thank you for coming on the show to talk about Batman, Superman world's finest. This is a great story. Um, I'm not probably going to start picking up the single issues just because I haven't been following along. So I'm probably going to wait until the trade paperbacks come out. Um, But I'm hoping that maybe at some point I could try to get caught up that I can start picking up the single issues and all that. But this was a fantastic series. I absolutely love this one. So thank you for suggesting this before I let you go, where can everybody find you and your work online?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Bronco Nova. Um, Like that's the handle. Um, Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what's public. Um, My Instagram is at Kevy Rossi. You can request it. um, (laughs) But it's just nice to have have things private. Um, But I accept everyone. Um, But Twitter's where I'm most active. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And then I'll make sure to get a link of all your uh, reviews for Comic Watch as well, too. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know we don't usually think about that, but we actually have a page where it lists all of our reviews that people can go to and look at.
1: Oh, that's in <laughs> like five years, four years, Yeah, yeah. know
0: that. <laughs> I, I just stumbled onto it. I forget how I figured it out, but I think I clicked on my name one day and it took me to that. I was like, oh, this is so nice to have, like Whoa. all of my reviews. Yeah, in one sense. spot. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to read <laughs> Kevin's uh, reviews, I'll put that in the show notes as well too. I've done
1: all 14 issues of... Uh, World's Finest so you can keep, keep on reading those
0: yeah there you go yeah so that that'll be really good if you want to see Kevin's takes on each of the issues uh, definitely check that out Kevin thanks again for joining us and you are welcome back on the show anytime um, but yeah thank you again for coming on the show and talking about Batman Superman World's Finest thanks for having me and that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com.